Hello, I'm here with Caitlin to talk about beeps, and that's what we're going to start. Caitlin has beeps. I do have beeps. So we've all had those days at work where we mess something up, right? Especially if we're working in IT security. Oh, Sam says, no, no, of course not. <laughs> but, you know, especially if you're working in IT security, you accidentally run the wrong command, something goes bad, you know, and people get angry at you. Well, you know, that that happens, but you know, it, it could always be worse. And so that brings us to our first story here, which is a janitor. This is from Fox News, the, the truthiest source of news in the world. Um, a janitor <clears throat> heard this beeping going off in this room. So the janitor turned off the uh, the the power supply. So he went to the, the breakers, turned off the breakers to turn off the beeping, which was just annoying everybody, right? Well, it turns out that beeping was from a scientific refrigerator that was storing millions of dollars worth of research in cell cultures and basically destroyed a decade's worth of work uh, because the janitor thought it would be a good idea to turn off the beeping. And to, to add insult to injury, there was a um, note on the refrigerator uh, saying ex explaining what was going on. It said the note it said that the freezer is beeping as it is under repair. Please do not move or unplug it. No cleaning required in this area. Uh, you can press the alarm test slash mute button for 10 to 15 seconds if you would like to mute the sound. So there was a sign up explaining what to do, but the janitor just decided, oh, I'm just gonna you know, throw the breaker switch, uh, turn off all the power and destroy over a million dollars worth of research. Uh, so yeah yeah as bad as as our days are and sometimes we we mess up a server um yeah just be glad you're not that that janitor i remember um i worked in a lab with a lot of lasers and we had these front surface mirrors where the silver's on the front and it's very fragile and hard to clean and they kept finding thumbprints in it and they finally found out that a janitor would come in and pick them up to dust under them oh yes yes you so so here's the thing being a, a janitor um, is, is a bit like being an engineer. So you you really do need to understand, you know, how to clean, how your chemicals work, you know, what, how to, you know, what, what equipment you're dealing with when you're cleaning it. And unfortunately, a lot of us and a lot of hiring managers do not treat it like an engineering job. Um, and it really should be in cases like this show exactly why you should be hiring engineers to do your cleaning and not, you know, just... A maid, essentially. Well, I've never heard anybody suggest that because of the huge pay disparity. But what we often did was try to exclude janitorial service from areas where we we're doing scientific research. Yeah, I mean, like I said, if you want to do, if you need janitors to do things right in scientific places, you you really do need to have the the sanitation engineers be real engineers. I mean, that's just the way it works, and people don't want to pay that kind of money. Right. Uh, but unfortunately, that that's really what you need. Um, yeah. Certainly at the college, they're like uh, low-level civil service workers and constantly rotated out. So they yeah. don't even have the right keys and they don't have any training. And right. it tells them what to do or supervises them. So, you know, you're, you're, you get pretty much random stuff. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah we, should, we should be treating our, our janitors, our sanitation engineers a lot better. And we should, we should be treating it like a serious career. Because well, in our cases, yeah. Well, one thing I learned very early, I was told as soon as I got in my grad student program, he said, make friends with the janitors, treat them really well. Those people are really important because they're the only ones with keys and you will yes. get locked out and you will need them to let you in. Yes, absolutely. Like I said, they're, they're under, they're underappreciated. 
Yeah. And and a lot of the times janitors are associated with sort of maid work where all they do is just tidy up. And and that's very different than being someone who really understands, you know, how to clean. Like they understand like you need to understand like the, you know, hydrophobic properties of certain, you know, materials in, in order to, you know, make sure you don't use water to try to clean it off. But something like isopropyl alcohol, I mean, there's a lot of technical know-how that goes into cleaning stuff properly and knowing, for example, if you're dealing with mirrors in a laser experiment, knowing not to get fingerprints on them, you know, stuff like that. Like it, you really need that level of knowledge to do a good job in, in an industrial environment. Yeah, I imagine. At least you need to be have training in whatever you're supposed to do. Yep. Anyway, so the Wall Street Journal, speaking of like top-notch uh, journalism sources, has got a Pete Buttigieg warning us. Uh, we've been talking about this for more than a year. 5G network is overlapping with some of the older networks used by um, airplane location sensors, and they were warned a couple years ago to fix the sensors, and they delayed the rollout of full 5G, and that is going to apparently happen July 1, which is in like three or four days, and yet there's something like 20% of airplanes still have the old sensors that they're afraid will be messed up by full power 5G, and uh, the government... Pete Buttigieg's governor saying, well, you had plenty of time. And they're saying, no, we didn't because of the supply chain disasters caused by COVID. We still can't get the parts to upgrade the airplanes. So uh, it looks like there's still a considerable problem. And I guess there will probably be some chaos on July 1, perhaps messing up flights. So so the the equipment in particular are, are altimeters, radar altimeters. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that'll mess up the flights, uh, but we'll we'll see what goes on. Yeah, well, they've been yelling about it for a couple of years, but I don't know how real it is. Yeah, because uh, they, they, as far as I know, the they they're not going to use the radar al- altimeters like during landing. That that's all done at least on the commercial flights to big airports. That's all done using you know the ILS systems and stuff. So. Well, they're saying they would need it in conditions of low visibility. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, so I guess that, that another way to say it is it'll cause a higher degree of weather delays. Uh, yes. yes. Anyway, you've got exciting news about NASA recycling. Yeah, so we're, we're doing it. We're drinking our own piss. Uh, I, think a, a of, I think a lot of people on Earth are, too. I think a lot of the water treatment plants are recycling it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, NASA just announced that they recycled 98% of all the water on the space station. Now, um, this includes pee and sweat, uh, as well as, you know, washcloths and, and, you know, anything you would use in any kind of water you, you would use in space. So in space, of course, water is very difficult to get up and is a, an essential resource for the astronauts. Um, and so the systems on the ISS have to scrub and reuse as much and recycle as much as possible. And they have it up to 98%. Uh, so, this is a huge achievement um, and it will be particularly important when astronauts move beyond uh, low Earth orbit, and especially as they go off to the moon and Mars, where you can't get resupplies very easily. Uh, being able to recycle with this amount of efficiency will be absolutely, you know, um, essential. So this is a, a huge achievement. And, uh, you know, yes, yes, astronauts are indeed drinking their own pee. Well, I after, mean, af- I mean, after it's been recycled. Yeah, I mean, so are we all really all the natural water table does is filter it through grass and dirt and stuff and accomplish the same thing slowly. 
Yeah, I mean that that is actually very true. So all the water you've ever drunk has been through the bladder of some amount of creatures, some amount of time. Yeah, all <laughs> atoms are just recycled forever, you know. Yeah. All right. All right. Anyway, I thought this was pretty interesting and it kind of scared me because I got a notice from Office 365 that you should put on the Microsoft Authenticator. And they said, put this link in you. Uh, they gave me a Microsoft link to put in my URL, which totally did not work. And I'm used to that. Microsoft stuff never works. So I went to the store and searched for it. And I noticed this. If you search for the Microsoft Authenticator, the very first hit looks right and it's called Authenticator. And it's the second hit that's the Microsoft Authenticator. So this is... Uh, Google selling ads to scammers, and that's it. There is a fake authenticator, which has purchased the right of showing up first in the App Store. I guess this is Apple doing it, not Google, in my case. And um, it looks very much like this right thing, but apparently it's not the right thing. It's malware. And uh, it's pretty sleazy of the App Store to allow ads for malware, but they're doing it. So that's a thing to know. And I had to check twice to make sure I was... Not had not already installed the wrong one because it was sort of funny looking. It didn't work right. Links didn't work right. But that was just Microsoft being Microsoft, I think. And that's another problem. You know, when people say, notice when your computer acts funny, weird windows pop up, it slows down. I say, well, that's just Windows operating as usual. Anyway, uh, it, it's really pretty hard to expect average users or even sophisticated users to know when something is fishy since the stuff that is legit is so messed up. Anyway, um, and you've got Callisto. Right. There's a new reverse engineering tool available for looking at binaries called Callisto. And I thought this was really interesting because it does some new things. Uh, so it's uh, it's on GitHub. And the way it works is you give it a binary. You don't give it source code. You give it a binary. It uses Gidra to reverse engineer the binary. And it uses common tools to figure out whether or not there are vulnerabilities within the source code of the decompiled binary. Now, what's really interesting is that in the background, it also syncs up with ChatGPT 3.5 uh, to also confirm and or look for vulnerabilities in source code. And this is the first time I've seen uh, GPT uh, 3.5 integrated in a tool like this uh, to look for you know vulnerabilities within you know static code. Uh, so this is this is some new stuff, um, and I think it deserves some attention and. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so source pretty, code can. Yeah, so pretty pretty cool stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I was uh, very pleased to see Scientific American. There's been quite an issue of the power grid in Texas. They're not connected to the national power grid. To make the price lower, they made their own power grid, and they didn't bother to weatherize the stuff. So in cold weather, it freezes up, and people die from lack of power. And they never actually fixed that. They just promised to fix it and then didn't fix it. And uh, as you'd expect in Texas over the last year or so, their primary effort has been to uh, eliminate all green energy and outlaw it and put burdens on it to make sure people do nothing but burn oil and gas because they make money from the oil and gas. But it turns out they do have a lot of solar power. And they say that in the last heat wave, the solar power was providing 20% of all the power. And that greatly helped keep the grid up when they had to have uh, only minor amounts of requested conservation. So it's... Um, Texas, I think, is where a really big part of our switch to green energy is the battleground, where the really strong fossil fuel forces fight against a really strong environmental lobby uh, with really compelling reasons, like solar power is more reliable and cheaper. So why don't you knock it off pretending that uh, you shouldn't be using that? Now, the problem is it doesn't work at night, but 
the big demand on the grid is in daytime in the heat. Right. So so anyway, yeah, I'm I'm watching it, and you know I'm I'm still hopeful that this uh, global warming thing will reach a peak simply because it's no longer financially the cheapest option to have fossil fuel. It seems like that's something that will really cause it to go away, but maybe not fast enough. Yeah, probably not fast enough. And you also have to think about third world countries where the investment, the initial investment is a huge, huge problem where, you know, you need the, you need to get on the grid, but you need to do it as cheaply as possible, not necessarily the cheapest in the long run, which, you know, could, can mean added fossil fuels. So there's. Yeah. You know, the United States has been really tardy in helping third world nations build their infrastructure, and they're getting help from China with the Belt and Road Initiative, which from what I hear is kind of like ripoff, where they just sort of trick you into a mountain of debt and build shoddy stuff. Mm-hmm. So we could, uh, if we would actually help build the power grid in countries that need it, we'd probably do a lot more good. That's true. We need another Montreal Protocol. Um I mean, for for people at home that don't know what the Montreal Protocol is, it was the uh, protocol that outlawed uh, CFCs and other uh, chlorofluorocarbons. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, that were that was causing a hole in the ozone layer, and it looks like the hole will be completely fixed by 2060. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's already been largely repaired. Uh, that would have been a worldwide disaster if the ozone layer fell apart. Um, but it was just economically viable to do. We it didn't really destroy our economies to do this, and we saved millions of lives with the Montreal Protocol. Uh, we really need something similar for global warming, but you know, to this day, we still don't have any compelling worldwide legislation to deal with it. So, yep. Well, it's the world we live in. Anyway, uh, I guess that's enough for this one, and we'll have another one on Friday.